Hola a todos. Feliz viernes y bienvenidos. Thank you all so much for tuning in and helping us celebrate Latino Conservation Week via our outdoors, um, Diversify Outdoors panel. My name is Brenda Vesa, and I am so excited to be moderating tonight's conversation. My pronouns are she, her, hers, ella, and I am an outings leader for Latino Outdoors Inland Empire, as well as host and creator of the Your Healing Nature podcast. Before continuing, I'd like to acknowledge that I am on traditional occupied land of the Tongva, Hayokawicham, Kawiya, and Keech peoples, also known as Riverside, California. And many of you tuning in already know of the amazing work that Latino Outdoors volunteers across this nation are doing. But for some of you who may be new, Latino Outdoors is a national community of volunteer leaders who are inspiring, connecting, and engaging Latine, Latinx, Latina, Latino communities in the outdoors. So however you self-identify, Latino Outdoors welcomes you and embraces you in the outdoor community. And in that effort, we also love to partner with various initiatives that really center the stories and voices of the Latina community. And one such initiative is Latino Conservation Week, which was created by our friends over at the Hispanic Access Foundation. And so every year around this time, we get together and we collaborate across this nation to really help the Latina community get outdoors and really engage and participate in activities that really help to protect our natural resources. So as I'm sure you've seen across various social media platforms this week, across this nation, various communities have been hosting um, initiatives and events that range from hiking and camping to film screenings and panels such as this that really help to promote conservation efforts in our communities. So with that in mind, I am honored to introduce to you four amazing panelists, um, three at the time, uh, but hopefully we'll be having the next, uh, the fourth one come in soon. Um, so I'd like to introduce Bridget Arndell, Sally Garcia, and Maya Morales. Hello, welcome. Hi. Hey. Hello, everyone. So I'm going to allow you all to introduce yourselves. Um, and so I'm going to start with Bridget, and then we'll go to Maya and Sally. Hi, everyone. I'm Bridget Ardell. I use she, her pronouns. I'm currently on Tongva territory in East Los Angeles. I'm originally from Pomona, California. And I work at the Water Hub Project, which is part of the Climate Nexus organization. It's nice to be here. Hey everyone, my name is Maya Morales. I use the pronouns she, her, and hers. I am on Chumash and Tongva land, and I'm an environmental educator and scientific natural illustrator, and I work with Community Nature Connection. Hi everyone, I'm Sally Garcia. I use she, her, hers, ella pronouns, and I am currently in Tongva Chumash. Uh, land also known as Culver City, and I am the outreach manager for the National Parks Conservation Association, also known as NPCA, and I'm so happy to be here. 
I'm so excited to meet you all. You're all new to my um, to my network. So I'm so excited to hear about all of the amazing work that you're doing to diversify the outdoors. And as I was thinking about this panel, I was really thinking about how historically mainstream conservation environmental movements have really thought about, you know, communities of color or BIPOC communities as not necessarily being recognized, right, for, for our contributions. And so, but I'm sure that all of us on this panel, um, as well as those who are listening, can think of diverse ways in which our families and communities have very much engaged in conservation efforts, just maybe not perhaps in the traditional sense, right? And so I was hoping that we could start with each of you sharing with us some family and or community wisdom that has informed and or strengthened your relationship to nature. And Maya, can we start with you? Yeah, absolutely. So um, I would say that my dad was actually the person who really brought me into the outdoors. Um, he worked as a national park ranger, which at the time we were the only people of color in the national parks that I was living in, growing up in. So it was actually really hard for me to connect with any sort of community we were out there. But at the same time, he was really instilling this love for nature, kind of teaching me about how to respect uh, the different areas that we were living in and also how to just connect and be myself while I was out in these natural places. Um, we were living in Sequoia Kings Canyon and Channel Islands National Park. And I still feel like a very strong connection to to both of those places just because of my upbringing. That's amazing. That's so beautiful. Mm -hmm. Anyone that wants to jump in can jump in next. <laughs> sure. Mm -hmm. um, I always think back to like roots, right? Like sticking to my roots and the roots of my family and my ancestors and how having a good support and root system is vital to building community and being in this space. I, I think about like trees, right? Trees have these amazing root systems. And when they know the tree next to them needs a little bit of help, it like provides the nutrients like through the roots to help it. And I think that's what has really helped me built this connection to nature where it's like, these are my roots and I am here to connect with it. And I'm here to use my roots to help anyone whom I need it and to build that community. I love that. Bringing in the mycorrhizal fungi. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, for me, I think it, I had a really interesting upbringing. Um, Growing up outside all the time, I was in a very interesting place where we had a huge piece of land with lots of trees and things. So my cousins and I would just kind of grow up outside on the trees, climbing trees, eating the food off the trees. I was fortunate enough to have like walnuts and apricots and oranges and blackberries and stuff. So we really just decided to be outside as much as possible while I'm playing in the dirt and eating off the trees and stuff like that. So I think that created an original connection for me um, to the land. And then outside of that, noticing how my mom, I'm not for economic or not for environmental reasons, but more for economic reasons. She sh only shopped at thrift stores and stuff. And at the time I didn't understand that connection, 
or uh, why it was important at the moment. But I grew up thinking, you know, I don't need all the newest things. Uh, everything that I have is working just fine for me. And so I think as I grew up and started to make my own decisions, I realized the importance that that had and the connection to uh, outdoors and the environmental perspective and like how that all played a part. Thank you all so much for sharing. I think that speaks to, to you know, this like central idea of storytelling, right, as well, because we all have very distinct stories to why we do what we do and what drives our work. Um, last month when we were at the Yosemite National Campout for Latino Outdoors, one of my friends, Carlos, asked me or asked a group of us, what was your first, you know, memory of like being in nature? And I remember, um, and I'm, I'm sure some of you may have this experience as well. My mom would take us to Tijuana and we would walk down to the cerros and, and you know, and she introduced me to curanderas. And, um, and I initially, because of its healing properties and the spiritual nature of, of the work, I remember thinking of how precious and sacred, right, the natural world was for those reasons. And so that, you know, so hearing Sally, you talk about that root story, like for me, that's that root story for, for my own, you know, fuel for the work that we do. Thank you all so much for sharing. So my next question is, can you share with us some examples of how you are working to make the outdoors more welcoming and diverse in the work that you do? And um, Bridget, can we start with you? Yeah. Um, so I currently volunteer with Outward Bound Adventures, which is located in Pasadena. And they serve the entire LA region for, with different connections and uh, partnerships. Um, but essentially, they help educate folks that are interested in working in the outdoor sector who have no experience. They provide all the training like CPR, wilderness first aid, um, pretty much anything that we need, including like how to camp and how to hike properly, what to bring, all those things. So um, I had actually left the environmental sector for a little bit and came back and they essentially provided me everything that I needed to become an instructor and help uh, in introduce and bring low-income youth of color out into nature and take them hiking and help them develop that connection and uh, take them camping and stuff like that. So that's a really big part of the experience that I'm having right now in uh, Los Angeles. Beautiful. And we'll come back because I have some follow-up <laughs> questions for that. But Sally. Sure. Um, so at, currently, as an outreach manager with NPCA, I get to work with a lot of partners and allies that uh, uh, we have built. And recently, actually, I just got to have a one-night camping at Rudy Ortega Senior Park out in the San Fernando Valley, in the city of San Fernando, with a community group from the city of San Fernando called Las Palmas. And they were all, 90% of the participants were first-time campers. It was their first time camping and they were all Latine. And it was such an incredible time to be able to provide them with that opportunity to camp literally three minutes from their house. Some 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 of the participants are like, oh, I live like right behind this park or I live down the block. Um, and I've never been here. I've never camped before. I even had a little boy who was like really sad. He did not want to leave. And um 
So I'm able, through this position, I'm able to provide those opportunities and hoping that some of them come back and we get to take them to Joshua Tree in the fall. Um, in addition to that, something I'm really excited to get to work on is we have something called the LA Young Leaders Council, where we gather up individuals from between the ages of 21 and 34 um, with different backgrounds, different skills to get together and learn what it means to be a park advocate and use those skills that they have to become park advocates and help NPCA with that kind of work, but also do it in the community with people who look like the community. And I guess also, <laughs> sorry, outside of that, um, I do also create content and just, I think that's a big part of also like doing this diversity work in, you know, wherever, whatever space you have like influence and redefining what it, what diversity means outdoors, right? Like it is through the work that we do, but it also means just seeing yourself be represented from like sponsorships or brands that like, you know, cause you want to see yourself be represented in ads or whatever you want to call them. And that's the other side of what I do. Sally, I have a follow-up. Um, for those who may not know, can you um, tell them what NPCA uh, stands for and uh, what they do? Sure. Uh, so NPCA is the National Parks Conservation Association, and we work to protect uh, the national parks. We are, I think, oh, uh, I should know this. <laughs> we're definitely, we're over a hundred year old nonprofit, non-bipartisan nonprofit, and we work to protect and advocate for the national parks. And I'm, awesome. I'm in the LA area specifically. Cool. Thank you. Maya. Yeah. Um, Sally, that sounds so awesome. I want to go camping with you. <laughs> it's, it's also funny you mentioned that because we, we also just got back from a camping trip too. And I just, I love that connection you get with folks who have never been camping before. And so with Community Nature Connection, it's an LA-based nonprofit as well um, that focuses all on access and equity in the outdoors. And for a lot of people in Los Angeles, especially access means transportation to some of these places. And so a lot of the programs that um, I help support are just to get people on a bus, get them outside. I directly manage a lot of our youth programs. And that's special to me because, you know, I, I was fortunate to have somebody in my life to show me when I was younger what it's like to be outside. And so now I really want to make sure that I can be that person for youth as well. Like, this is something you can do. You can go camping and you can feel comfortable out here. And let me show you, you know, the skills that uh, you can learn and grow with um, to be able to, to do this sort of thing. And so that's a big part of the work that I do and part of kind of the personal values um, and morals that I have. And then in addition to that, as an environmental educator, you know, a lot of environmental education and natural science interpretation is, is really rooted in some pretty harmful ideologies. And so what I like to try to do is make sure that it's inclusive storytelling, that environmental education and interpretation is looked at critically and that all of the programs that I run are inclusive to like more diverse groups of audiences, more people that can really connect with, you know, what I'm teaching about the outdoors and that it's not just, you know, this one specific formula. <laughs> 
I have a follow-up question to you all. It wasn't necessarily one of the ones that was listed, but as I'm listening to you all, um, not only we're we talking about like diversifying the way that we see ourselves represented in ads um, or even in programming, right? Um, but what have been the barriers that you've seen as you've gone through your own journey professionally in terms of the diversity in leadership um, at the different organizations that you've been at? And you can answer that however you want, because I know that that's like a really loaded question, but I don't think we can have a conversation like this and not address that, right? So whoever wants to take it first. I can start. I mean, I think it kind of goes back to my entire journey of working within the environmental movement, I'm gonna call it, because Originally, I had went to college for environmental studies with the intention to do this type of work. And while I was in that journey, it was pretty white. I'm just going to say that it was just very white. And I wanted to talk about like environmental racism and things that I experienced growing up. And, you know, people didn't want to have those kind of conversations. And so it pushed me out to be straight up. Like I was just like, well, maybe I don't fit in in this community or this field, I thought it was something I was passionate about. And I took a different route because I thought I didn't fit in or I didn't belong there because they didn't want to talk about the things that I thought mattered or were important to me. Um, and so I took a detour. And I think that has a, a huge impact, you know, like who who is in those spaces and what they're talking about, what they value and whatnot. It just didn't matter or it didn't resonate with with me and my experiences and so it pushed me away so i think that has a huge role in it who is there um, just out of curiosity though as a follow-up um what brought you back my own passion i think it was just kind of something that never went away you know i went into higher ed and i loved higher ed and i went into higher higher education and student affairs because there were people there that I cared about and connected with me and resonated with me and the stories that we shared of wanting to uplift community and uplift people who didn't have all the accolades that society tells us we need to have to be successful. So that, you know, that community vibe got me into higher education and student affairs. And I stayed there for like 10 years until I realized like, as much as I love the people here and the or the bonds that I've built, I really want to be back in the environment and fighting for the people in the community that I originally like got into this for. So that's what brought me back was that that fire. Thanks for sharing, Bridget. And Sally, I know you wanted to say oh, something. I'm so sorry for, for, for interrupting. <laughs> no, um, I love that uh, Bridget shared what brought her back because I've tried to leave this space before I've tried to leave and I tried going a different route and tried doing nursing and I was like no like it keeps bringing me back because this is what I'm really passionate about uh but one of the barriers that I personally have encountered is I don't have a higher education degree I just have like a GIS certificate it's not even an AA and so getting to have getting to make others believe that you have credibility has been very hard. And with that like limitation of people or organizations or people not seeing lived experience as 
uh, as like, you know, experienced enough has been uh, very hard. I've seen things change as like years come. I mean, I'm in with my position because the organization realized that lived experience is important. Right. And like when this is all, you know, from high school is like, well, how much more experience do I need? You know, I've gone through all of these like I've experienced like from intern level to all of this, you know, like project managing. Um, and I think when we start shifting that mindset of there are very many bar barriers to people as to why they didn't complete their degree, why they didn't get higher education. But it doesn't mean they're not capable enough, doesn't mean they're not qualified enough. And um, I'm just I'm hoping that more organizations realize that that lived experience is important. Yeah, just to follow up to to your story. So the GIS certificate, did you get it at a local community college? I did. I got yeah. it at Pasadena yeah. BCC. I yeah. loved it. Too. <laughs> yeah. So I work at Rio Hondo College and we just started one. So I was wondering if you would just share like maybe links in the comments for someone who may be out there like wanting to get, you know, their feet wet and into this arena. That would be awesome. Uh, oh, regards to GIS. Funny enough, yeah. I actually went to Rio Hondo too, but then the drive was just too far for me. So I did at PCC. Uh, so GIS is basically geographical information systems. Um, there's a lot more to it, but basically you learn to take all this spatial data and create uh, and make it readable for people around you and you get to create maps. So there's like the cartography, cartography portion of it. So you get to create these beautiful maps of like just data numbers that might not make sense to and anyone else but to you makes sense and you get to make it readable and uh the professors i had at pcc were great one of them was actually a uh, latino and he was incredible and he believed in like you know um having other bipoc uh students like get into gis because it doesn't um you don't need to have a degree in it. I mean, you don't have to have a degree to get a certificate into it. And um, just that certificate will open up a lot of opportunities too. Awesome, thank you so much for sharing that. Maya. Um, first, I wanna echo GIS is where it's at. Uh, so <laughs> Sally, if you drop that link and for anyone who's tuning in, um, definitely a really useful skill in the field um, from what I've noticed at least. But yeah, if we're we're talking about barriers and talking about just kind of things that people experience and lived experiences to that point, um, something that I've noticed is that there's a really big barrier in how people enjoy the outdoors. Um, and for context, you know, I grew up in such a, a specific community where people were like, you know, don't share the location of the trail name because we want to keep it just to us. But the us was typically, you know, very privileged people who identified with dominant cultures and uh, mostly white people. And the same thing kind of happened to me in the field where, you know, I went to school for environmental studies and I noticed that there were not a lot of people of color in my courses, that the even the atmosphere around any sort of talk about racial equity in the outdoors was not really touched upon, nothing that I learned. And so for a long time, it felt like I couldn't have a voice in this field. Um, and for a long time, for every job that I've worked, um, I've often felt like the token person of color that has been hired. And so something for me is I just, I'm so excited to be working with Community Nature Connection because it is the most diverse place that I've ever worked. 
Um, but it's also really telling to me that this work needs to be done across the board, across like every single, not just nonprofits, right? Like I'd love to see more diversity in state parks, national parks, and um, other areas of the environmental and outdoor uh, field. Maya, you bring up such an important point about oftentimes so many of us, I think in many different ways may have felt like the token person of color that was hired, right? Um, and I think, you know, there's always somewhere out, someone out there who is listening and who is feeling and living through that right now. Um, so how have you, how did you handle, um, you know, that feeling of feeling like, mm, I'm, I'm the one person, right? Um, so can you, can you kind of share what that experience was like and how you, I don't know if coping is the right word, but how you kind of navigated, right? That, um, that experience. Yeah. Um, something that comes to mind for me that just kind of right off the bat, this memory is so prominent because it, it is really, um, I would say the word is just kind of like ignorant or not really like necessarily knowledgeable from where this person was coming from. But um, I used to work as a park guide for Channel Islands National Park. And, um, you know, it's really hot out there. Not wearing a flat hat is pretty usual. And sometimes I would have to tie my hair up. And one day I put my hair in two braids just because it was easy to get off the back of my neck. And uh, somebody came up to me and said, hey, are you Karana? And Karana is a character in Island of the Blue Dolphins, a Chumash character that was completely made up. And it was something to me that was so, like I said, kind of just an offhand comment said by this person who was white, who like they didn't know really what that meant or why, like they thought it was a joke. Um, and I get comments like that, or I did get comments like that a lot, right? That's something when you work in the field, um, receiving a lot of feedback like that, it does hurt and it, it is really painful. And you have to go home at the end of the night, especially if you're working in very public facing um, jobs, you have to go back to your ranger station or back to your house and you have to sit there and you have to process it. But then the next day you have to be on. And so as an environmental educator, something that I learned was how to just turn on and turn off at the end of the day, process quietly and come back, but it's not sustainable. And I think, again, part of that finding my voice, finding out how to just kind of tell people in a way that is educational and informative and bringing them into a conversation. I think now I would go to that person and I would say, hey, you know, what exactly do you mean by that? And can we unpack that a little bit? You know, why, why did you feel that you had to say that just because my hair was in braids? And, and let's talk about the history of this island. We are on Limu, right? Santa Cruz Island. It's the birthplace. It's a creation story for a group of people. Um, so let's talk about the history and the context of you saying that, but also what is happening right here in this park and in this place. Mm, that's such a powerful, those are powerful examples. Thank you so much for, for sharing that. I'm sure that every time you have to think about those stories, they're never easy to share. So thanks, Maya. Is there anything, and thank you all so much for allowing me to detour because I knew that these weren't questions that were <laughs> on our original list. So thank you all so much. Um, so is there any individual right now or someone in outdoor recreation or conservation um, that you really admire the work that they are currently doing um, and that you would really like to shout out and just like 
point people in, in that direction. Whoever wants to take it first. I can go ahead. <laughs> um, so the, one of the co-founders of Latinx Hikers, I had the privilege of meeting Luz. Um, she is such a force. Like I, I really love her and she inspires me so much. Um, she hikes and lives in her, um, the A-frame thing. I forgot what it's called. Um, but I just, I love her, her story and her ability to just be so fearless and brave and just go to the national parks and like be outside and live outside with her dog like it's just incredibly inspiring to me i just she makes it so much so welcoming and i think when i got the privilege of meeting her i signed up for some latinx hikers lottery thing to to hike mount saint helens in oregon and i'm in california and i didn't really think i was gonna get it but i got it and i flew up there and it was so much fun to just meet her she was really welcoming i was nervous i had never hiked a volcano before and she she just made it so so much fun and the group that a group of women that i was with we all were just kind of sharing stories and it was a really powerful experience and i i really loved it so i want to give her a shout out and encourage people to check out latinx hikers and her page too um, because she's just doing incredible things, living fearlessly out there. I'm sure she, she might be scared sometimes, but you know, she's brave and she's, she's doing it and she's living the life that she wants to be living. And I, I look up to her so much and, uh, I want to give her some shout outs. Thanks Bridget. I, one, I love Luce. I got to meet her last year and she is incredible. <laughs> I, for me, I think, I think about three individuals. Um, one, Laura Navar, I don't know if I'm, I'm sure many of you know her. She, I feel like she has laid a lot of the groundwork for, I mean, she's the one that told me about this position and uh, she has been an incredible mentor for me. And she is all about community and helping people just mentor them. And she's just been an incredible person in my life. And I think about Araceli. Um, I should know her last name. Araceli, she's with LA Nature for All. She's with Nature for All, but also started 818 Hikes. And I just, I met her at an all-women's camp out. And she was so shy at first. But at the end of that trip, at the end of that camping trip, she, like, got more comfortable and got to, like, really interact with all of us. And I've just seen her grow so much into herself. And I love how, like, she on her Instagram, how she shares about the hikes that she's led and just everything she's doing with 818 hikes, I have always admired. And then I also think about Kimberly Orbe, who was also with Nature for All and now is with the Sierra Club, I think the LA chapter. And she uh, is one of the individuals that I have formed an incredible friendship with. And we've, she has helped me through a lot of things and like doubts when I've, uh, wanted to leave this space in so many reasons and i just i love how she approaches community events as well and how she uplifts other uplifts other people and I, these are just three incredible individuals that i love so much and respect so much in this space so it's araceli hernandez 
Araceli Hernández. Maya. I want to shout out to my brother, Michael. Um, he's a wildlife biologist in Yosemite. He's facing a lot of the same, you know, kind of like issues that I faced early on in my career in this field. And, you know, when I talk to him, and he talks about how he wants to, you know, start organizing with other people of color in Yosemite and how he wants to make those connections with everybody that's working there in the park and working together, not just to like show up and represent um, as members of their community, but also to show up for the earth as well. And so he just inspires me every day when he talks about, he studies fish, he's a wildlife biologist, he studies fish and frogs and turtles and I love learning from him. It's it's so fantastic to hear just kind of his perspectives, especially since our world is changing every single day at a rapid pace. And so um, to sit back and chat with somebody who is really seeing that stuff firsthand uh, is really grounding for just me and my work. So yeah, shout out to Michael. And then I just want to shout out to all of you and to everybody that's like making this happen. Um, it just makes me so happy to be a part of this and to connect with you all. So, yeah. Well, I'm sure it's safe to say that we all like admire you too. So <laughs> thank you all. Um, so you have all touched upon this next question, um, but I'm hoping we can expand on it. Um, it's the question about what does the phrase, or the hashtag, representation matters mean to you? And I think that it'll be interesting to see how you answer it because you've been in different sectors, right? Not just in environmental sector, but higher ed, like Bridget was saying. Um, so I don't know who wants to take it first, but that's where we're going. <laughs> I guess I'll go first. Um, oof. It's such like open ended and broad, but I think I just I want to see like not just in obviously in this field, like you want to see people that look like you and have the same. What do you say? Like not verbiage, but I was, I was just having a conversation with Christian about this and how um, when, for example, you see something translated in Spanish, right? Um, it's really hard to narrow down what Spanish relates to everyone. And he made a point to say that sometimes you can change certain phrases to like, not everything needs to be the way, let's say, uh, someone from Central America says it, right? It can be like the way someone from Puerto Rico says it or some, or how someone in the Dominican Republic says it. So using that different kind of verbiage, different kind of language, I think is a great way to see yourself represented, even just in writing, I think. And that can make a really big difference for people reading something. Um, and the way that, um, I also wanna see the way like, or I guess, sorry, representation, but what that means, it's seeing like little me, how I grew up going outside and being that validated. Like, yes, going out to your local park, having a carne asada is fine because that's all I was able to do. And that is still being spent. That is still time 
being spent outside. It's just the way that I knew it, what it was, right? Um, I don't have to, I, and I say this all the time, I will never probably climb a peak of a mountain. It's just not in me. I, I get winded so fast. I will never get to, I will probably won't ever do that. But it doesn't mean I'm not outdoorsy, right? It doesn't mean that just because you can't make it to the top of the mountain doesn't mean that you're not, you know, that you don't, that you're not, what am I trying to get to? <laughs> that you're, you know, doesn't mean that you're not outdoorsy enough, basically, right? Like you can enjoy the outdoors in any which way you want, as long as you're respecting yourself, respecting others, respecting nature. And I think I want to see that represented a lot more. Thank you, Sally. I would love to add to that just because how you experience the outdoors, like just to echo that, like it really matters that when you experience the outdoors, it doesn't have to look like a ad in a Patagonia magazine, right? That's not, that's not inclusive. And um, it's definitely not the norm for a lot of families of color. And something that I've noticed in Los Angeles hiking around here is that when I see people of color hiking, it's the whole family out on a trail together. I always see that. It's the whole family all the way from like the littlest, smallest child to an elder. And they're all, everyone's hiking together. And that's, that's what matters to me. So when I think about how representation matters, to me, it's seeing people enjoying the space however they want to, but with their community, with their families, with everybody that they choose to be around, right? Out, outside. And I just want to see more of that. I want to be comfortable in that. I, I want to take all my cousins hiking with me and have them not be afraid to, to go out there. And so. Um, great points made. I agree. I feel that representation matters, means so many things. And it's a matter of breaking like mainstream media images, right? Where for the most part, it's like these white heterosexual male folks who dominate a lot of the imagery that we see and movies that we watch and stuff. And it's just like, um, there's a whole lot of other people out here in the world that exist that need to be seen um, outside, whether it's, you know, at the beach or on the river, in the mountains, at the park, like, just be outside, you know, that representation is important because people need to see somebody like themselves, somebody who come from a similar situation or background or experience as them, and seeing them outside doing things that you know, sometimes when you're in your your life, it's hard to imagine yourself doing something different. So when you see somebody familiar seeming um, outside doing something different than you, it could inspire you to do that thing or to do something more, you know? And so to me, that representation is, it ranges, it's a spectrum, but it's huge. And it means so much for somebody to just imagine themselves and somebody else's shoes outside of what the their norm is. I think I come back also to kind of what Sally was talking about in terms of like the GIS, right? Like the certificates, because in terms of representation, in terms of professionals that are environmental sciences, right? You don't need a bachelor's and a master's and a PhD, but that you can also do important work, right? 
getting a certificate, getting an associate's. And, and so I think that that contributes also, right, to our expansive sense of, of representation as well. Thank you all so much for sharing. And so finally, if you could give one piece of advice to someone next generation, what would that be? Who's trying to get into conservation, into conservation work? I can go first for this one. Um, I would say don't be afraid, go boldly. And I know it's a really hard statement in this field because there are so many barriers that you can face, but there are people out there who might help you, you know, look, look in the direction that you want to go and, and go boldly into it. And that's just kind of the short and sweet advice I would give. I would say to like really look at yourself and see what your strengths are. And I think sometimes we see like someone being so like caring and shy or, you know, very loving as a weakness, but it's not, you know, this, this like whole environmental field has requires people with different strengths and you will fit into one of those strengths, whether you're a caretaker, whether you're dis a disruptor, which I'm trying to be more of because I've been scared of that, um, or a leader. And there's all these different categories that you can, like, that you literally fit into with your strengths that you carry within you as a person. And maybe you don't, maybe your, maybe your strength isn't even in that bubble, but it'll still be needed. So use those strengths, whatever strengths it is, to, to help you to build community because trust me, your strengths, whatever they may be, are needed in this space. Can you repeat the question? Sorry, my brother called as you were speaking. If you could give one piece of advice to someone who is trying to go into conservation, um, what would that be? Uh, definitely try to see what kind of organizations are in your area that you could potentially tap into or reach out to to build that community because having that community is really important in terms of like having a building block for you to feel comfortable outside because I think that comfort is is crucial um, so find find your network if you know anybody reach out and have them connect you if you can and just to, to kind of close out, are there any particular programs that you all took a part of um, that really helped you to connect, to establish that networking, to perhaps find a mentor that you would really like to plug um, and leave that kind of as a resource for, for people as they try to make their way, navigate? Community Nature Connection for me. <laughs> oh. Yay! <laughs> CNC was part of MRCA before, who I used to work for, um, and through, they had a program called Bridge to Parks Career. I don't think it's come back. I'm not sure. But just being able to connect with CNC has been incredible. Honestly, I owe a lot to CNC for me being where I am. And I've been able to meet these two incredible individuals and everyone else from CNC. And I borrowed that camping idea from CNC. <laughs> um, so they, that is just, and anything CNC does is amazing. Sorry. <laughs> Thank you.
Maya? I mean, yes, CNC. Woohoo. <laughs> Thanks for the shout out, Sally. Um, I definitely would say if there are, even if there's no organizations directly in your area, reach out to the people around you um, as well. And something that I did before CNC is I reached out to people around me. I was working for the Natural History Museum, going through some similar struggles of, you know, being there, um, slightly being tokenized. And I, I reached out to some people who were part of the Environmental Professionals of Color uh, in Los Angeles. And I met Bridget and I met some other folks. And that was just really nice to, to see where people are in their careers and then even you know, take a step with my own career. And that's how I got to CNC to Community Nature Connection. And so, um, yeah, I'd say look, look closely to, to where people are and, and try to meet them and reach out to them. And don't, again, don't be afraid to. Awesome. Thank you, Bridget. Um, so I already mentioned Latinx Hikers, which has like a bigger, uh, it's a bigger geographical spread as well as Latino outdoors, they have chapters in a lot of different states. So, you know, reach out if you have an idea or an interest, you know, they might have some events coming up in your area. In the Los Angeles region, um, Community Nature Connection, of course, uh, Outward Bound Adventures, uh, Black Girls Check-In. There's a lot of different organizations that you could Google and like, you know, make something happen. But if you're interested, you could also start your own thing. And if you want to do like a community garden, you know, you can start local. I think community organizing where you're from with the people you know is also incredible and powerful and kind of what we need more of anyway. So, you know, if you're interested in that, you know, one to two other people who are also interested, like make your own thing happen. Oh, thanks again to all of you for taking time out of your Friday evening to, to share all of your knowledge and wisdom. So thank you, thank you all so much. I hope you all have a wonderful weekend. And to those of you who um, are still wanting to partake of any Latino Conservation Week events, please go to latinoconservationweek.com. Um, you will see events listed there. And I'm just going to do a shameless plug for tomorrow's event that I will be at with Hispanic Access Foundation. Um, we are going to be, um, yes, the monumental hike at Mount Laguna. Um, and we will be there at 9 a.m. sharp. So please, please join us. It'll be a really, really great educational hike. And, um, and I think that other than that, um, this panel will actually be posted on, on, on our social media, YouTube, um, with Latino Outdoors website, Latino Conservation Week, as well as Facebook. So you can access it there. And I think other than that, I think we're, we're good to go. Thank you all so, so much. And have a great weekend, everyone. Bye. 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 Thank you, everyone.